What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1123. Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Hi, welcome to another film study. I'm uh, joined today by Vasily Larikos of Baltimore Beatdown, and we're going to talk about the Ravens' cornerback situation 
from 2019 and what they look like going into the 2020 season. Voss, how you doing? I'm great, Ken. How are you? Life's good, man. It's uh, It's been a couple months since we've talked, and uh, there were better circumstances at the time. This was during the Ravens' 12-game winning streak, but uh, great to have you back on the show and uh, talk about corners. Now, tell people where they can find your work. So I am a writer-editor at Baltimore Beatdown, and my Twitter handle is at Vasilis Beatdown. I'll spell that V-A-S-I-L-I-S-B-E-A-T-D-O-W-N. All right. Terrific. And and I, I call you Voss on the show. That is okay, right? Sure. Absolutely. All right. Great. It's, it's definitely a lot easier for me, so I appreciate you doing <laughs> that. So so you we had our little production meeting before the show, and you had a point you wanted to make up front. It sounds like a good one. Let's kind of get, start with that, and then we'll work into some of these individual player notes about the, about the 2019 season. Surely. So I just thought it was worth noting that before last season, there was a debate among some in the analytics community about whether cornerback or edge rusher was a more valuable position to a defense. And in my view, the results of the 2019 season where the Ravens actually improved from their 2018 numbers in terms of weighted defensive DW, DVOA, excuse me, after losing Suggs and Zaria Smith and several other leaders, I think that's a data point that supports the coverage first and foremost mentality. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Now, there's two teams that are really built back to front among the great defensive teams in the NFL right now, and, and that's, of course, New England. It, probably even with the letdown in the second half was probably still fairly easily the best defensive team in the league. And then the Ravens, of course, who are about the fourth best, depending on how you uh, you stack things up there. Uh, but I think that the, the back to front is something we're going to see more of in terms of building and uh, and expenditures going forward. Although this offseason certainly seems like the Ravens are going to spend a lot on their pass rush. And they're, they're fairly well, I think, done with investment at corner. But we can talk about that a little bit later, too. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk about some individual lunch because I think Marlon Humphrey, obviously, is the first guy to talk about in terms of corner. He He, he had an MVP season in 2018 where he played just 68.7% of the snaps during the regular season. That's something you just don't see. And he moved on in 2019 and played 98% of the snaps. So he was on the field effectively the entire season. Um, And I'd contend that he was right up there as far as team MVP in the 2019 season. 14 pass deflections, three interceptions, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries. Uh, four tackles for loss, mostly blitzing from the slot. Uh, he had an excellent season and uh, built upon those measurables, refined his technique to to become more of a playmaker uh, all pro season and made some of the biggest plays of the year for the Ravens. Yeah, absolutely. Scored a couple defensive touchdowns, had the punch out against the Steelers that won the game. Uh, and, and frankly, you know, balls bouncing around the field for it seemed like a an eternity. It was probably about four seconds, six seconds, whatever it was, before Humphrey picked it up himself. Uh, that was that was a, one of the really nice points of the season. But he had others where he picked the ball up against Seattle, really put the game away for sure, changed the lead from, I think, up 10 to up 17 with about three minutes and three and a half minutes to go. But uh, Humphrey's always had a club of a right arm, you know, something that could really be used effectively, but he'd only really used it in pass defense so far. Just a, very difficult to come down with the football from a high pointing 
a ball against Humphrey. It's the time it takes you to get to the body. He had that baseball bat of a right arm. He'd get on the football. Absolutely. And he, and he improved his ability to play the ball in the air. That play against the Patriots in what was at that time the most anticipated regular season game in in memory really switched the momentum, totally flipped the momentum. New England was driving in the no huddle, and Humphrey was able to to put points on the board with that return. Uh, he, he really had an all-pro season. I think he's right up there, certainly in the top 10 of all cornerbacks in the league right now. Yeah, I, I would agree. That's where I'd put him. And, and his season, I thought, in the second half was not quite as great as it was in the first. But a lot of that I put on the notion that he was the player who had to be the, the wood putty for this team. He had to play in positions where he's not used to, specifically in the slot. And if you're looking for a player who's going to benefit from the return of Tavon, Humphrey going back to a right corner slot you know, permanently is going to be very comfortable for him. He's comfortable with that boundary. He'll be comfortable playing the boundary, period, as opposed to being on roller skates in the middle of the field. Uh, it will take away some of his opportunity to impact the game with the blitz that he, that he was effective with um, in this last year. But I think being able to play on the outside every snap will be something something special, and uh, and, and it will improve the defense all by itself. Agree, agree. And he can do it all. He shadowed receivers in the first half of the year when the corners were, were injured and before Peters was acquired. Did a really fine job at that. Of course, he was beaten occasionally. I'm not sure how much of that uh, play-action touchdown in the Titans wildcard game was on Humphrey or whether Clark had deep third on that. But uh, he, I don't know what else you can ask for. They took him in the, the middle of the first round, and he's exceeded expectations to this point. Might actually be the time to consider an early extension this offseason. I think it makes some sense. I, I don't have a problem with that, particularly if there are divisible benefit dollars on the table. With Chuck Clark, it certainly was a great deal to, to, to make it early, I think, from the Ravens' perspective. I think from Clark's perspective, too. Uh, you know, There's been a lot of Ravens who come through and had a tough year in year four, an injury in year four. Tavon really has to go in that group as mm -hmm. a guy who did a great job signing early for himself um, and, and, and stands out to other players around the league, uh, and, and, and certainly in, in Baltimore in particular. And you know, then there's other players like like Owasso where it didn't work out in terms of the fourth season just didn't go as well. It's not always injury; it can be you know just a drop off in play can really reduce your value. So, uh, you know, Clark was very I think he was very smart, and the Ravens were very good about you know have, coming up with a fair contract that divides that benefit of of security and and uh, maximizing the dollars for the player. Sure, that's the uh, the benefit to the team is you should be getting some discount by by giving the player that that certainty, that guarantee, that money up front. The case for Humphrey is that uh, quite a few high end corners, Jalen Ramsey, Marshawn Lattimore, Tre'Davious White in particular, may uh, may reset the cornerback market in the next uh, few months or or worse next off season. So maybe they can reap some savings by locking in Humphrey. He's, he's only 24 years old. So even if even at close to 15 million per season, which is the top of the market, uh, if you lock him up for five, six years and maybe they can uh, devise a structure, or maybe a creative bonus structure to keep that 2020 cap hit low so that the Costa can maximize Lamar Jackson's rookie contract window. But locking up Humphrey should be uh, a priority. He's a great player at a premium position. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't have a problem if they want to wait 
for for purposes of maximizing the chance to use Jackson's third year. But next year, Jackson's contract is going to be front and center. He's going to be a third year conversion. Stanley is is to me is the obvious guy they have to sign next because he's in he's after year four right now. They're going to have to have to show him the money now, make sure that that he's taken care of. And it also makes sense from a cap perspective because he was going to make about $12 million anyway this year. So the cap hit should not be any worse, I don't believe, for Stanley in this season. There'll be a, hopefully a fairly flat contract deal will still be possible, even though they'll, they'll, they'll pay him a lot of cash this year. The Ravens, my understanding is from Brian McFarlane on the show, that, that they also have uh, cash expenditures they need to meet this season. So it makes sense in terms of some of these extensions that are going on. Uh, and that may be the, the, the key that gets uh, Humphrey ultimately done this offseason. Sure, that makes sense right there. They're below the cap floor, believe it or not. I think they had paid up too much money up front before this last period, so now they have to catch up a little bit. Yeah, it's like the cash floor, the cash floor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's go on. Let's talk about a little bit about Marcus Peters because his arrival certainly completely changed the defense in terms of, of how they were constituted and uh, – you can go all across this defense. It's one of the most amazing returns from the dead of a defense after four weeks that that uh, I've ever seen, certainly, in terms of, of a great GM set of GM moves. But while the Jalen Ramsey trade was going on and before it was actually completed, the Ravens got Marcus Peters for between 4 and 5% of the total draft capital expended on Ramsey. An absolute steal for uh, DaCosta to add a player of Peter's caliber. And I think he exceeded expectations once he started wearing purple. And I know you've made uh, highlighted his elite ball hawk, ball hawking skills. Uh, really a special player. Yeah, uh, just just outstanding. You really note that in, just in the week seven game when he showed up against Seattle, Russell Wilson hadn't had an interception all year. And not only did Peters get the first interception. He was a master puppeteer of of uh, baiting Russell into throwing that ball to the sideline on that particular play. Broke backwards initially, and before Russell had even gotten his arm all the way up, was already breaking forward on the football, and of course uh, intercepted it. Took it to the house in one of the the season's really big highlights. Absolutely, those two games really Seattle and New England. Those were the ones that that uh, catapulted the Ravens on their 12-game win streak, and both were really fueled by the cornerback position. Uh, and, and Peters also had another pick six two weeks later against Cincinnati, had another highlight play with the pass breakup at the end of the Buffalo game. He does seem to be a rather complete player. His run support is not his strength, but he does have <laughs> willingness. He, he did. He stuck his nose in there uh, on occasion when he had to. Uh, and um, I, I was surprised by his long speed. Better than I thought. He ran stride for stride with Odell Beckham on a nine route in week 16 to force an incompletion. Very intelligent and a, and a ball hawk. He, uh, I think the Ravens are lucky to have Peter sign to what looks to be a slightly below market three-year deal. Yeah, that is that is how I would interpret it. It's nice they have him at these years. The contract seems to match up pretty well with when they're going to need money for Jackson. So in those terms... Uh, you know, he, him phasing him off the books makes sense, which is going to be something we're going to have to get to because they're going to have to figure out how to replace him in three years. I don't think he's going to be a Raven when this contract is up. I do think it makes all kinds of sense that he would play all three years of this contract in Baltimore. Yes, he's still in his prime age. He'll, he'll be, uh, I believe, 29 or 30 when the contract expires. And locking up 
premium position, prime age, all pros at a slightly discounted rate. Uh, nothing, nothing does more for your roster construction than, than those kind of maneuvers. Other than having rookies who are <laughs> who are on their rookie deal still, absolutely. But, true, uh, true. But, but, but uh, Marcus is a uh, uh, the greatest interceptor of all time. A lot of people don't realize this. I've talked about it enough. I think that people people are getting it by now. But his rate of interceptions per game adjusted to the era is the greatest of all time in NFL history in terms of interceptions per 16 games. So basically you take you take his interceptions per game and each year you adjust those to the average of 1945 to 2018 and then uh, uh, compare that. He's ahead of even Ed Reed in that category. Ed Reed is number two and was number one by, by quite a distance um, uh, when he retired. So uh, it's uh, it's amazing that Baltimore gets to have another player like that because Bobby Boyd also is uh, near the top of that list, uh, in the top five anyway, who played cornerback for the Raven, for the Colts in the in the 60s. Incredible, those, those uh, interception numbers. Looking at the, t- the the starting tandem, um, you're hard pressed to find anyone comparable to Humphrey and Peters across the league. Really, in the last few years, maybe a, a Denver's starting duo uh, back when they won the Super Bowl in 2013, I believe, or 2015. But uh, the the Ravens with Peters and Humphrey, that's how they can build around, and it's an advantage every single week. Yeah, I hope we'll add Tavon in terms of a name for that uh, as we go forward. But I do want to make one more point uh, here about Peters. He'll be he'll be he'll be staying at left corner, and that's where he played for the Ravens down the stretch. But and I presume they're not going to switch left corner, right corner, or anything like that. But I I, I, yeah, I think it always helps to have a guy stay on that side. The other point is that with as a uh, guy who really likes to gamble. It's extremely intelligent about knowing when to do it well. And you mentioned that the touchdown returning in Cincinnati, that was a, that was a case in point that was just really exceptional. Uh, at the line of scrimmage, they, they called an audible. Ryan Finley was a quarterback for the, for the Bengals in their week. Uh, I guess it was week 10 game. And uh, he, he basically called Omaha. Now, if it were Peyton Manning at the line of scrimmage, Omaha doesn't mean anything. He guys said so so many BS Omahas in his life more than any other <laughs> player. He said, he said the word Omaha without meaning it. But in in his case, it and, and being a rookie quarterback, I think it was Gannon was doing the game, and he immediately said, "Oh, three step drop out route coming up." And immediately that's where the ball went. And I an eagle had or, or whoever was doing the game with with uh, with the the ex quarterback in that in that case complimented him on the. Uh, call even before the ball had gotten there. And then, of course, Peters knew exactly what was happening. He undercut the route, took it to the house. What was great about that is Peters knew that a seven-man rush was going there. And he knew, actually, he's an eight. Um, he knew he could take a chance on undercutting a route there. And he's very smart about integrating what he's doing with the chance to get beat over the top. Didn't need to have a very high percentage chance to make that interception. But he took it, and, and I, I like a player like that who knows when it's appropriate gam- to gamble and, frankly, isn't afraid to get beat occasionally in that situation if somehow the protection had held up or, or you know, somebody gets caught in the wash and is not able to get through, uh, you know, and, and Erickson had miraculously thrown the touchdown. That's okay. They were, you know, they were, they were down close to the goal line anyway. They had expected points in the bag. For Marcus Peters to take it the other way is a huge change in value in the game, and and, and that was a very special play as I as I saw it. Great point, great point. All right, who who would you like to talk about next? 
Well, I guess we should touch on Tavon. Uh, he's projected to be the the starting nickel and um, slot corner. He is expected back for OTAs to be a full go, but uh, you never know how that's going to go with a disc injury in his neck. Yeah, so severe injury. I mean, I'm I'm concerned about that. Tavon, obviously, a fairly physical corner despite his smallish size. He was a guy who was involved in the pass rush a lot, a lot in run defense, and it does have me worried a little bit. Hopefully, you know, a tricky injury like this, he comes back and he's the same guy. Really shouldn't affect his speed, you would not think. You know, like a, like an ACL injury or something else might. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be coming back and hopefully will still be uh, have that speed, have that good lateral quickness, have that good change of direction skill we're used to from Tavon. Um, and, and him being an effective nickel, very big part of this year. I don't think the Ravens can afford to take it for granted by themselves. Yes, he fits that prototype nickel perfectly uh, with his agility and ability to match and also the physicality. He made some big plays, impact plays, um, and he played on the outside reasonably well his rookie year before he tore his ACL. Uh, hopefully he can come back. The Ravens have had a little bit of bad luck with the early extensions at the cornerback position. Lardarius Webb was the other notable player. They extended early, uh, I guess, about a decade ago now, and he ended up getting hurt because um, they are locked into Tavon through 2022 and uh, has a significant amount of dead cap, at least through 2021. Yeah, so the, the Lardarius contract was, it's one of the really sad ones, both injuries to Lardarius. The, 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 the injury in his rookie year, when he was playing really well, it was December, they lost him, they lost him for the playoffs. That was just a, it was just sad. Uh, and they lost him on special teams. And he was at a point where, you just can't afford to have your best corners playing special teams. And, and, and normally you don't see that. Uh, but when he did return in, in, in 2010 was pretty much a lost season for, for Tavon. When he did return in 2011, he was the best cornerback in the entire league. And, and I think a lot of people sometimes forget that. And then that's the re- really reason why they, they signed him at that point in advance of, uh, of when they had to, uh, to a big contract and hoping that, that he would be around. And of course, in 2012, he got hurt in, in that game against Dallas very early on. So uh, a sad career. I think, you know, a Hall of Fame career may have been derailed by injury with, with Lardarius Webb. He was a he was a fantastic player. And it's unfair for uh, people to, to, you know, map his last couple of years, which were during a, during a down era for the era, the Ravens anyway, in terms of making the playoffs, to... Um, Talk about those as what was really representative of his play as a, in his career. He was absolutely outstanding in that 2011 playoff run, mm-hmm. um, and uh, certainly that's the that's the risk that you take by offering an early extension, and that's why the team should see a little bit of discount in return for for giving that money up front. Yeah. And they, they certainly got that with Tavon. I mean, it's it'll be still the right price if he comes back and has two Tavon-esque years, actually three Tavon-esque years he still got on the contract. Uh, if if he performs well in two of these years over the next three, the Ravens will get their money's worth, obviously. Um, it's it's a shame they, they, you know, they missed a prime year from his career. Uh, one of the other benefits from signing a guy early like this, and this is true to a lesser extent of Peters, who's in his fifth year, but they only signed him for three, is that you sign the guy and you let him go a year earlier rather than a year later. So you buy into one less decline year. And I think you kind of were getting at that earlier. But I really like advanced contracts of the same length 
So you 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 are you want you were going to sign the guy for four years, maybe at the end of uh, at the end of one more year. But instead, you sign him for three years. So it's a four year contract a year early and you let him go a year earlier rather than having to cut him at the end of that period, as was often the case. Right. Those declining years once depending on the position. But once you reach 30, you're getting a little long in the tooth. And, you know, a lot of players can fall off rapidly at that point. But with Tavon's history and especially with how vital the cornerback position is in Wink Martindale's scheme, I think the Ravens do need a strong number four corner entering the 2020 season. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And they've, they've got a balancing act to play here, but but the they, they need to have a strong backup at the nickel so they don't disrupt the outside is what I would say. I mean, I want to, sure, I want to have a strong backup on the outside as well, but if they if they have a strong nickel, they can actually play a nickel and move Tavon outside if they have to. Now, it wouldn't be the ideal situation, but it could be could be a solution. Um, but but I really don't want them to see them get exposed at the at the nickel where they have to move Humphrey inside and degrade two positions. Makes sense. Sure. Hey all, we'll get right back to film study. But as you know, creating a podcast is a bunch of work, and if you are doing your own podcast, you know that what's even harder is going out and finding sponsors for podcasts. Um, I work on a bunch of podcasts. I work on Film Study three thirty six and a whole bunch of others that you guys know of. And I want to tell you, if you're doing a podcast, you should check out podcorn.com. It's a marketplace that connects podcasters to amazing sponsorship opportunities. It gives you host-read ads like this one we're doing now or interview segments, topical discussions, everything with no middleman. Podcorn allows you to talk straight to the advertiser. It's awesome. A great way to bring in sponsorships to your podcast just like this one over on Film Study. So go and check out Podcorn and start browsing the sponsorship opportunities today at podcorn.com. So anyway, let's let's move on a little bit because the Ravens, they're, how they're going to commit to youth, how they're going to decide to commit to youth is one of the big stories of the secondary, I think. And and Jimmy Smith is really the the fulcrum of that, whether or not they want to re-sign him to a, to a deal. And I don't even know what it would be, whether they're going to try and re-sign him. A one-year do, does not really make sense in terms of um, for Jimmy at this point, I think he'd he'd rather maybe be signed for a slightly longer but still reasonably valued contract. Personally, I don't I don't honestly see how the Ravens can pay four cornerbacks. They've all they've really need to figure out how to get younger at the position. So in the end, that's where I am on on Jimmy Smith. I just want to make sure you get a chance to comment on that. Sure. So Jimmy will be 32 years old next season. He missed weeks two through eight with a uh, unlucky, let's call it, knee sprain, wrong place, wrong time type of injury. I think Jimmy does deserve some credit for the defensive improvement down the stretch. It wasn't only uh, Peters and Clark replacing Jefferson. Um, He's still playing at a high level. He actually had the best completion percentage allowed into his coverage better than Humphrey or Peters by a few points last season. Very physical, has that length. He's listed at 6'2". I've met Jimmy. I think he's closer to 6'4 than 6'2", to be honest with you. He's a big <laughs> guy. Um, and he's uh, he did allow the uh, touchdown to Buffalo, I believe, against Buffalo. But he's still playing at a very high level. And so with all that said, I would like to keep Jimmy. I think it's worth an expenditure of maybe $7 million average annual value on maybe a two-year deal. Um, he could probably earn more from another team, but he did intimate in the media that he's open to a hometown discount. 
And I think that uh, it would be a better place to invest than some other free agent options, the other positions, because the fourth cornerback is going to be important. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say if there was maybe an injury to Tavon, then maybe Jimmy plays outside and Humphrey slides inside. I know you said that's not ideal, but it would still be a strong trio. He could also perhaps play in a four-cornerback dime as a really a tight end matchup against the Travis Kelsey types and also uh, help keep the cornerbacks fresh as Martindale did in the 2018 season with some type of rotation. So, so that's my uh, that's my thoughts on Jimmy. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the rotation, but one of the very big values of rotational snaps is to try and figure out what you have with your youth. So they've got Anthony Averett sitting over there with with you know about 270 now NFL snaps over two seasons, and I still think they don't know exactly what they have. And if you think you you really know because of what he did early in the season against the Arizona Cardinals and other teams there. I don't think you. I, I think you've misjudged the situation or judged it too early. At least is what I would say about that. Uh, Iman Marshall, a very physical corner, uh, got all the length the Ravens are used to in in uh, a cornerback. Another guy sitting over there who needs to get his first NFL playing time. Effectively lost the season to injury. So, uh, you know, I think the Ravens need to balance that need to develop youth to bring along the young pitchers in the in the rotation, so to speak, uh, or even in the bullpen. Uh, rather than than um, uh, more than uh, they need to get Jimmy Smith back as that strong fourth corner, uh, I, I would prefer they go they go out and find a good nickel. Um, probably spend not as much as that, but, but the, the ideal guy would be a Corey Graham esque nickel who is an undervalued commodity for another team who could step in and play nickel if needed and contribute on special teams during the season. So that's that my soapboxing about what I would do in terms of the Ravens secondary and, and holding expenditures down to maybe uh, uh, three and a half million per year at that position. That's a, that's a fair uh, rationale. Certainly reasonable. Averett, I'm not sure what to make of him. I think you hit, you hit that on the head. Had high hopes watching him plaster receivers in training camp and just had an up and down season. Marshall, um, I think he's probably best as a six corner for 2020 season. Uh, and some, even going all the way back to his high school playing days, have still contended that he is best as a safety. Hopefully he's going to be uh, help elevate the special teams unit, at least in 2020. Well, right there, if, if that's something that they work on in camp, I'm, I'm all for that. If he could be, I think he would probably be the back end safety and you keep, uh, keep a guy like Clark in the box for dime uh, play because the Ravens play a ton of dime. I mean, last year... The Ravens played the most dime they have in team history, 38.3%. They also played 5% quarter snaps. That 43.3% of snaps with six or seven defensive backs on the field, by far the highest in team history. The second highest was 34.5% for the 2000 defense. A lot of people don't realize how many defensive backs they used that year. But having Clark with the green dot meant they were completely flexible in terms of taking inside linebackers out of the game when they would prefer to have defensive backs in. Sure, some of that is probably a product product of their uh, high-powered offense, and they had yes. teams playing catch-up in catch-up mode. But that's where the league is trending, and uh, that's why defensive backs are uh, are some of the most valuable positions on defense at this point. 
Yeah, very, that's very much true, too. And the, the Ravens offense certainly had something to do with it. The 2000 team you know, had some leads they were playing with as well, of course. And, and that was a, uh, something they could do. But the, uh, the Ravens are, are, are well positioned to flex their defensive back strength. And they also, Martindale's uh, blitz schemes derive a lot of value from having additional defensive backs on the field in terms of pass rush flexibility. So I, I've, I've talked about this occasionally, but on third and medium in particular, you, you want a quick pressure. And to get that, you really need to get an unblocked pressure. And the quarterback completion rates have gone up, of course, across the league and, and, and in general. And it's too easy to complete these short pitch and catch slant routes and other routes. So you need to disrupt. And, and the, the best way to disrupt is to get a, a an unblocked pressure, which means you have to confuse the defense somehow into, into allowing you space there. Uh, and the, the, the corners and, and uh, safeties in the box, it could be even from the outside if the other team is trying play action. Um, you, you have Martindale showed the willingness this last season to rush any of the 11, not in equal measure, but any of the 11 guys on the field. Absolutely. The Ravens have innovated at the, with their defensive scheme, and it's been very effective and it should continue to be so. You can have a elite, an elite presence off the edge, but uh, the, the way the quarterbacks with the with the quick strike game and with the rolling pockets and bootlegs, they can they can neutralize that. So having good coverage and bringing deceptive pressure is the way to go. All righty. So you know, we talked a little bit about Averett's uh, Averett season. I guess we we've we've hit on that enough. The only thing I additionally I did want to make, call it about Averett is that he he certainly was up and down, but he definitely flashed still in his 2019 play. I thought his game against the Steelers at the end of the year, uh, he didn't allow any completions on four targets in that game. Defended the boundary extremely well. We got to see a little bit of what he's like on the outside when things are really well. His play against the Cardinals was the the only time really the Ravens went to a four-corner dime the whole year. They did a little bit of it in other games, but not, not very much. But in that game, with the Cardinals playing a lot of 10 personnel, a lot of a lot of four wide receiver formations, the Ravens just came out in a dime that had four corners to, to start with. And Averitt was a little uh, a little exposed uh, in that in that early season play there, uh, unfortunately. His play playing time really fell off after that Cardinals game. I think Averitt going forward, um, he has the coverage, the pattern matching, uh, almost similar to a Humphrey, but he's not physical and he, he needs to improve his recognition and zone. I'd also hope, especially with a lot of the special teamers up uh, up for um, unrestricted free agency, that he can maybe improve this offseason on his ability as a, a gunner as well as being a jammer on, on punt teams that would help get him uh, dressed out more frequently in 2020. Yeah, that's a good point. Certainly an area of need for the Ravens is to improve the the special teams unit. They didn't give up a, a bunch of big returns, but they also didn't get a bunch of big returns. And, you know, it's a, it's a place where they, they have a veteran back there or had one last year. I forget if, if uh, Thomas is signed again for, for longer, but, you know, they, they, they want to get something out of that position, and, and they traditionally have. Uh, it's a shame to to uh, to see that wasted. Well, Thomas is uh, unrestricted, so uh, I think that maybe where somewhere where they draft the player, whether that be a receiver or a corner, that maybe has some versatility to help return the ball as well. Yeah, high probability. By the way, this is something DeCosta talks about. High probability the Ravens will draft a corner. So it's not a position I expect them to go out and get a marquee corner early in the draft. That said. 
I don't think it would be impossible if some great corner falls to 28 that they just love. If you want a shocker in the first round, that would be the position where the Ravens could pick up a corner. They probably would trade the pick in that case, but if, if they couldn't get full value, I'd hope they just go ahead and draft him and you know juggle their roster accordingly uh, in the years to come because it's still it kind of stings the fact that they didn't take um, uh, Derwin James at number 16. And not only did they not take him, but they didn't trade the pick and really get value for it uh, in terms of the return on picks. I mean, with Derwin available there, that should have been a king's ransom of picks they got in return. And it wasn't just Derwin. It was Derwin and uh, Tremaine Edmonds of, of the Buffalo who were both available. So it should have been, the, you know, the potential for a bidding war for that position. And, you know, it, it didn't develop. And, and at that point, if the rest of the league says, we're either taking advantage of you or we're not going to give you the full value, you just got to take the player yourself, even if it doesn't seem like it's right in your wheelhouse of needs. And, you know, Derwin James was hurt this year, obviously, but boy, would it really have been nice to a nice feeling to start the season with Derwin James probably would not have signed Thomas or might not have signed Thomas uh, had Derwin James been been there at the beginning of the year. Um, absolutely. Derwin, I'm an FSU fan, so you're preaching to the choir there. He was my number one player in the entire draft that year, two years ago. Uh, that would have been great, but they had Jefferson under contract. I think DaCosta even admitted that that's why they didn't take him. Now, you could have, they could have even taken Derwin and Lamar, but they would have had, it would have costed them uh, either Andrews or Brown. But that's, a, that's off on a tangent. As far as taking a corner uh, in this upcoming draft, I'm not opposed to taking someone in the first round. Uh, you can never have enough corners, that's for sure. Ozzy has proven that. Uh, the Ravens traditionally have had a very, very high hit rate on the cornerbacks they take in the first two, even three rounds throughout their history. Not that that necessarily means they would again, but it's something to note. Probably better than any other position, I would say. Yeah, it, it is very good. I'm trying to think of, of who they failed with. They have failed with some second-round corners. Deron Jenkins comes to mind in the very first draft. They traded they traded a lot to come back into the round and get him. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, Dwayne Starks and um, McAllister, C-Mac. they were both drafted at the same position in, in back-to-back years, and, and they were the core of that 2000 unit, and frankly, for, for several years there, were, were the best tandem in the NFL. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Humphrey is a first-round First round selection. Who else they had in the first or the second round? Jimmy, Jimmy Smith, Jimmy Gary Smith, sure. Gary Baxter in the second round played pretty well. Webb was a third rounder. So they've done, I guess, Jenkins, that was a good memory, but he's probably the only one that didn't really pan out. Right. I, I, I was uh, interested to see that Deron Jenkins was on a show on HGTV. We, we, I don't know if you caught that, but it's, it's a great concept, though. It's now been duplicated more than a few times of, of a divorced couple still working together in their business. And it, it, was, it was kind of a neat thing. But he played his last year in Tennessee, and the show was like based in, in Nashville because that's uh, apparently where he set down his roots after he's done with the game. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the one guy we haven't talked about here, and, and, he, and he's, it's his tweener nature that really sometimes leads him to the end of the conversation, is Brandon Carr. Uh, versatility to play the slot corner was extremely valuable in 2018. Uh, it was valuable again in 2019 for when they used it. Uh, and then he was, when, when, they, when they assembled the uh, team effectively during, on the fly and, and by week nine when they got Jimmy back, they had three outside corners. They had three cornerbacks they liked, and they made the best use they could of, of Brandon Carr by moving him to safety 
in dime and quarter packages, and he played on the back end quite well. He did very well on the back end. Just a dependable, professional-grade defensive back. Didn't necessarily make a lot of plays. He didn't give up a lot of plays either. He will be 34 years old entering uh, the offseason here, starting to decline a little bit. I think Carr's future is probably contingent upon Jimmy. If they can work out a, a team-friendly deal with Jimmy, then they probably decline the option and, and accept that $6 million in cap relief. If not, then Carp may come back, I guess, depending on the draft. Uh, but uh, he, he does provide depth everywhere. He did pretty well in the slot early in the season, too. Uh, he made some tackles for loss in that blitz, blitz-heavy slot system. So um, we'll see what happens. Seven million cap hits, probably too much for a backup defensive back uh, that's, that's not excellent in coverage at this stage. But maybe they could uh, do a pay cut to some type of incentive-laden uh, pay cut, maybe something along the lines of what happened with Darius Webb towards the end of his career. Yeah, I think I think that could make sense. I, I don't know if Carr would be all that excited about it, but I'm not sure there's a, lot, a bunch of great options out there for Brandon Carr. I don't know who's going to you know, go out and sign him for three years and, and say uh, $20 million. I, I, I'm not sure there's a taker at that price, even with some of the inflation we're going to see, I think, in salaries. I think people would be leery of a deal where, where they're, they're tying up money for three years. I mean, even the Ravens, very smart contract structure, obviously, to have it be be structured as a series of team options. Boom, 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 boom. But they uh, they got one of the best signings they've ever had in Brandon Carr. They got tremendous value out of that contract. Oh, definitely. I think they were trying to take advantage of the loophole that the league recently closed, where a player who had an option contract who was declined could then count towards the yes. compensatory pick formula. Unfortunately, they closed that loophole. I think New England started that with Daryl Revis way back when. But uh, it's interesting to see how they're going to fill out this fourth spot. Um, I'm very interested to see how the uh, cornerback group is going to look heading into training camp. All right. So uh, uh, that's, uh, I think, a pretty good rundown of the guys here. And hopefully we'll uh, we'll have some more to talk about after the draft, I think. Uh, you know, Deshaun Elliott is another guy who kind of presses presses Carr for playing time. So, you know, his health will also be a key this coming year, as will, you know, who they draft at safety uh, will impact, you know, Carr's ability to return. But I think there's there's a lot of things going on. I, I'm personally, I'm a proponent of moving towards youth and moving defensive cap dollars off the ledger because of the need to move a lot of of the total cap to offense over the next few years so uh that's that's where i am on the situation but uh but we can continue here uh we talked a little bit about packages in terms of of playing diamond quarter and the, and the relatively few cases of having a four corner dime so there'd be less less opportunity to have a uh, uh you know a fourth corner on the field um what else do we not talk about here among some notes I've got? Uh, you mentioned, I think, earlier in the show, but the Ravens as a team did not chase individual receivers very often. Uh, they play a really a set piece, side-on-side uh, -side, uh, uh, group. So I think there's a lot of value to that in terms of uh, making sure a player is comfortable with one boundary. And, uh, and some players are just – some corners are just better – catching the ball over one shoulder or using their hand better uh, in one direction. And I, I think, you know, having guys on the same side gives you, affords you that possibility, at least through the season. Well, right. It's almost like the offensive line left tackle can't transition to right tackle. It, it takes some time, almost like playing left-handed. Yeah. 
uh, very much. You use a different arm there in pass protection in, in, in particular. Um, okay, so in, in terms of 2020, let's let's just talk through what your strategy would be in terms of of what you do with the with the secondary and how you would would constitute it. And I'm, I'm just going to put the entire secondary out there because the cornerbacks and, and safeties on the Ravens overlay so tightly. Okay, so top line, I guess in a, in a nutshell, I would hope that the Ravens can keep Jimmy on a on a cheaper deal, six million, seven million, and uh, and release Carr. Um, so then you have these six corners, you want to call them, and and maybe they don't sign some of the special teams aces, the Trowick and Levine type, and 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 um, excuse me, Marshall maybe can be a hybrid safety, and then you're going to take a corner probably on day three, and a safety maybe third round, fourth round, fifth round, and you, and you build some youth, but you also keep the veterans up at the top. All right. So that would be in line with some of what DaCosta has done in terms of, of finding value guys. And, and, you know, whether they have a value guy, whether they have a starter, whether they're bringing along a corner in their traditional kind of a, a, a two-year method, as has been the case, obviously, with Averett, they've, they've got him playing time in the first two years, which is which is good in a sense uh, that he, that at least he got on the field. It's it's bad that still after two years, they don't know exactly what they have. And and that, of course, puts you in a difficult position when you enter that third year. You don't know what you have. And what do you do? Do you keep the guy over a rookie who has some promise when the rookie has a lot more in terms of option value over four years as opposed to option value over two years that an, uh, Anthony Averett would have? Sure. And that's, you know, two more years. Um, it depends who falls to them. I think they're in decent shape. I mean, if just looking at the two starting safeties and the three starting corners, probably better than any team in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree there. I, I, I think in terms of draft needs, I think a slot corner is going to be the position they draft at. I think they'll they'll be specific about it in this draft uh, unless they just love a value more than they can even say. But I think they really would be more excited about getting a really top-end slot corner that they can identify maybe a little later. That's also the place where you get maybe a little smaller guy who's undervalued. So maybe they find a guy who's 5'10", when the average corner in the league now, the, the median corner is now six feet tall. Definitely. They found those smaller corners. They, they last longer. Some of them even last to UDFA. And the Ravens have identified some decent slot types that didn't get drafted over the last few years. All right. And uh, other than that, I'd like to see them in free agency. I'd like to see them find that that slot corner who can help them. Uh, unfortunately, I have to say goodbye to both Smith and Carr, as good as they've been, um, you know, as, as much value as they still could provide. The defense just really needs to get younger. And it shows up in the value relative to cap analysis that I do this time of year, a couple of times per year, but, but this time of year in particular. Um, and, and seeing how few players the Ravens have on their rookie contracts who are producers defensively. And right now, uh, they're, they're down to Humphrey and Clark, and Clark just got signed long-term, so he's not in that category anymore. And Humphrey is about to sign long-term, and he is also a first-round pick, so his fifth-year option will, will be costly anyway. So this will be his last year under that system. So they've really got to find young defensive talent. And I think this draft will be... Very defensive heavy, heavy. I wouldn't even want to predict how defensive heavy, but I expect to be very significantly weighted towards the defense. Sure, probably seven of the nine picks, I would say. And you're absolutely right. There's not a whole lot of players 
uh, that are playing for value or below market value in the secondary. Almost everyone is well paid at this point, especially the, the, the main contributors. Right. And that's not to say they're not earning their money. There really aren't a lot of players who are, you know, a cap value concern, but they are. They're, most of the players are are earning their money. And that's where the cap's being spent, unfortunately, with with players like Andrews and and um, uh, both tackles and, of course, Lamar coming up. They're going to have to shift a lot of dollars to the offensive side of the ball over the next over the next few years. I mean, I don't think they'll be able to keep Andrews and Hurst together coming from the same draft. I think they can really only afford to keep one of those as much as Roman loves tight ends. So that may be another area where they're going to have to, you know, get an injection of youth going forward. But uh, but there'll be there'll be a very significant shift of dollars to the offense over the next few years for this team. Going to be very interesting to see how the Costa continues to incorporate his new school. I guess, positional value along with Ozzy's, the foundation of what Ozzy had built. And it's a great point. They're, that's why they have to save in specific places. That's why mm-hmm. maybe they have to save at inside linebacker. I think yeah. that's probably the one place where you don't want to pay a lot of money and you probably don't want to spend an early draft pick either. You know, I was just going to say that we we're spot on on that in terms of our agreement. I mean, it's a, it's a position where platooning has really worked where the Ravens, you know, made it work this year with with good platooning and certainly did in 2018 when they had three guys who are, are each individually modest football players, but they combined to have just an unbelievable season at that weak side linebacker position. Unfortunately, they made the Peter Principal promotion of Owasso into that Mike role, and it was too much he can handle. And honestly, what they left behind for Kenny Young was really too much to handle for him on the weak side as well. And then the, the other point that drives it home is they were able to find two guys off the street that yes. immediately improved it. And there's not a lot of positions where you could find two guys off the street that could come in and start and be part of a what was really an elite defense. Right. I, I agree. I think they really are taking the same philosophy with running back. I don't think we're ever going to see a really big contract in Baltimore or not during not likely for a running back again. I think Ray Rice was the last one. And, and Ingram is a is a mid-sized contract and, and you know, reasonably set for a running back. They certainly got value, but even another one of those I would not really expect. I expect him to try and find bargains now as, as Jackson matures and as a player where a large percentage of the cap is being expended. At the end of the day, both running back and inside linebackers are positions dependent upon the players around them more than other positions, even the Keekleys and the Wagners and the best inside linebackers did not elevate their defenses. It, the, the defensive backs and pass rushers, and on the other side of the ball, the offensive line, those are the the, uh, the tractors, and the other positions are the trailers. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that thought. And, and you know, Keekley is, is a good case in point. Two things going on at inside linebacker. One is that three-down unicorns are very rare and very expensive. Keekley, Mosley, you really pay through the nose for that guy. The second thing is there's a ton of early retirement going on at the position. So in terms of draft capital, you know, you, you almost got to think of them as anybody you get is a one-contract player. You know, it's your second contract, you very well might not get value. So you, so you have to make sure you get it on that first draft pick. Now, they often, you know, your inside linebacker often can't jump on the field from day one, at least play as a two-down player and perhaps as a three-down player. But in all of the the mock drafts and all of the, the, the individual citations of the Ravens taking a 
linebacker in round one. I'm like, I, I really hope not. I, I hope they find an edge rusher. I hope they, they find a, a, an inside pass rusher, you know, would be, would be fantastic. But the number of positions that the Ravens really should be considering this draft is actually probably less than what they'll admit. Uh, you know, the liars lunch, they're probably going to say, Oh, we'll take anybody. We'll, we're, you know, our, our, uh, we're wide open to best player available. Obviously we already had a 14 and two season, blah, 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 blah. The truth of the matter is they're going into the draft probably a little bit handicapped in terms of what positions are, are of greatest need. Definitely best player available among four different positions, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what it often is, but it, you know, it was worse in 2018 in terms of what they actually needed. And, you know, when they've needed wide receivers in the past few years, they've, you know, they, people knew what they wanted to do. And, and I think that's part of why they didn't really get a good offer on the Derwin James pick at 16 uh, and had to trade down for, for, you know, just a, a, a modest valuation of that selection uh, in that season. But uh, I, I hate to see that happen again because you just you get you get hosed trading up or trading trading back in terms of the, the valuation you get from another team. If the other team thinks there's only one position these guys need, they can get it three picks later. We don't have to give them a lot for it or they're moving up three. We can really make them pay through the nose because we know they want their guy here. Right. Well, on the bright side, the Costa and the Ravens are in position to probably fill all their holes through free agency, really get the defensive line straightened out and make one decision one way or another at edge rusher. And if they can do that, they really can enter the draft with they have four positions that they want that they have a first round need for, but they're more of a depth. They don't need an immediate starter here, an immediate starter there where other teams can predict and uh, extort them that way right all right well great to great to talk to you again about this Voss. we always seem to allow the conversation to spill over into whatever and i'm i I love doing that when we have good good conversation going love to love to have the back and forth but tell us how what are you working on now over at beatdown my pleasure ken great talking to you uh we're just researching some uh free agent options that the casa could consider bringing in i think defensive line is arguably the best position for the Ravens to target in free agency and uh, just gearing up for the NFL combine by evaluating some college tape. It's an exciting time of year. I love this roster construction part of the calendar. Yeah, a lot, lot of fun. And uh, tell people again what your, what your Twitter handle is. At Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S-B-E-A-T-D-O-W-N. All right, Vasilis Beatdown. All right. I uh, want to remind people of Film Study Shorts. Uh, this this is a series of one of the series of positional reviews. It'll be one of the last to, to air. Uh, but uh, we, we do are doing shorts on other things, including free agency on the draft. And we'd love to hear if you have a study that you've done this offseason. Looking back at 2019, anything that's layered on value to commonly available statistics, we'd love to to work through that with you on air, to, to listen to your presentation of it. I'll ask some questions. But that's, a, that's just the kind of guest we're looking for this offseason. And uh, uh, if you've got something interesting to say, we want to talk about it. So uh, give me a contact on Twitter. I'm at Film Study Ravens. And uh, we'll see you next time on Film Study.
Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.